Hello, everyone, and welcome to another great edition of Talking Tigs. Uh, we got a great one for you today. I, I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. What a game. Uh, LSU went into Tuscaloosa and came out uh, not only with a win, it was a 46-41 to 41 win, breaking the Tide's eight-game streak over LSU, and it also broke their 31st straight game at home that they have won. Uh, we got so much to go over, not just the game, but the ripple effects that I think we're already seeing it have uh, so, so soon after the win. I'm not sure we'll have time, but there are so many other good games going on around the country, uh, quite a bit of upsets, actually. Uh, and we got some big recruiting news to get to. But before we get started, just wanted to suggest to those of you that are listening, if you're not already following us on Twitter, please do so at Talkin' Tigs, no, no G in Talkin', and also on the Talkin' Tigs podcast on Facebook. We are also on iTunes and Spotify as well. Uh, before we get going, I have to check in as always uh, with my co-host, but I definitely want to uh, check in for real this time because I, I didn't hear much from you guys. So I almost thought I had to do a... Like a welfare check, but um, I finally heard from you, and uh, glad to know you guys are, are back in the game and, and ready to uh, ready to do this pod. So, so, so tell me, how are you guys doing? I mean, I'm 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 great, great. It's great to be here. It's great to be sitting uh, as an undefeated nine and zero LSU team, you know, with uh, three, you know, four top ten wins. Um, you know, we went on the road into. Maybe maybe the toughest environment outside of outside of Baton Rouge, the toughest environment in college football, and beat you know the 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 team that had basically been crowned. Um, you know, Tua was the Tua was the uh, preseason favorite for everything, and the preseason number one overall pick. And you know, Najee Harris was said to be the best running back in college football, and. The uh, you know Alabama defense is always is always uh, you know thought to be the best in the best in the country and I mean LSU went in there and proved everyone wrong they proved Stephen A Smith wrong they proved Paul Feinbaum wrong they proved everybody and they did it on the back of uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire you know the the quote unquote three star running back the the bat the uh, who played who you know was always behind Darius Geis at Catholic High. And on the back of Joe Burrow, the the quarterback who you know couldn't couldn't uh, couldn't play at Ohio State, you know he was he wasn't good enough to start at Ohio State, and now he's the front runner for the uh, the biggest award in college football that I'm not going to say because I'm superstitious, but you know the uh, I mean, it, it was an incredible day, and and the reason that I know that for for me the reason you didn't hear much from me was because for the first half I didn't say a word. I was. You can ask Daniel. He was watching the game with me. I was so locked in and nervous, and I couldn't really believe what I was watching. I knew that they were always capable, but um, but just the and the way you know that we just we stepped on the on the the throat of Alabama, and they you know they did come back a little bit. We'll get into all that, but I mean that was a definitive win. Exactly, ladies and gentlemen, we did it. Everybody had this game circle on their calendar for years, and it's obviously the biggest game of the season. Everybody can't wait. The hype was imaginable, unimaginable, excuse me. And it had been years since we won this, beat this team, but yet the Tigers come out and defeated 
Bowling Green and basketball, the game that everybody couldn't wait for. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they, they did win that. But, uh, yeah, to, to beat Alabama, it, feel, it really feels good, man. And just years of toil erased in, in one moment and then propels us to set us up for the national championship. Uh, fingers crossed they're not going to uh, promise anything too much. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's just so great to see Nick Saban just so upset on the sideline after he watches his team get blown to bits by LSU's offense and just create all sorts of miscues that he couldn't even stand. And then to, to walk back home with a W, uh, it's great for the program and a great day to be a Tiger. Amen to that. And uh, just, just a couple of things that you guys said that I want to add to. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know, you know, during the broadcast they were saying, oh, Burrow had a, uh, you know, a, a blank moment right there. Uh, he just, I think he pulled off a long run. Um, but I don't know, after that game, I'm thinking, hey, why can't Clyde Edwards Hilaire now be in the, uh, in the Heisman conversation? Um, I mean, if he, if these next three games, he plays lights out or however many games, uh, before the, the invitations go out, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'd say he, he should at least be in the conversation if he keeps having a game like that. Cause he did it against, you know, arguably, you know, one of the, the nation's best team, best defense, whatever, whatever they were saying before this game actually played out. And, um, uh, as far as what you said, uh, uh, Daniel, uh, it was a big game. It was probably the biggest game we were going to see this year, so much so that the president actually went down uh, to see it. So that just tells you right there. Uh, I mean, it wasn't his national championship game or anything. He just came to a regular season game, which was, uh, which was awesome. And, um, yeah, I'd say uh, overall, man, LSU, it seemed like they just kind of wheeled that, that game. They, they, Coach O was saying how they just wanted it earlier in the week. They said they were going to win it. They, they just believed they would. And you could see through the progressions of the game, you know, they just kind of willed themselves to it. Uh, it's kind of funny. And, and Alabama fans did not know how to handle this. They were filing out at halftime because they were down by 20 points. Uh, I think a bunch of, bunch of jokesters even started a fire saving hashtag. So <laughs> no, I didn't no, one, no one expected to see this, and they obviously didn't know how to handle it. It's like, what? We're, we're down 20 points at home? You know, this, this sucks. Uh, but hey, sorry, LSU came really prepared. Uh, you know, they told everyone, but no one believed them. But I, I think they do now. So those are my immediate overall impressions of the game. Um, I can get more into it later, but uh, I think LSU's kind of LSU kind of willed that game, and they, they just were not going to be denied. So uh, we could start with whoever. I just want to hear your overall impressions. Uh, how about with you, uh, Daniel? Yeah, so everybody kind of did their part. We obviously got a little bit of fortunate outcomes in a couple of key moments with things like Alabama's punter just letting the ball slip out of his hands. Or on the very first drive, Alabama – looked like Alabama. There was a big completion, and Najee Harris had a breakout run, and then Tua just, the ball just fell out of his hand pretty much on the goal line, and then we recovered. So at that moment, you knew things were going to be different. It wasn't like we're just going to be getting beat down. And then, so yeah, once we scored the first touchdown, we had mentioned this last week in the podcast, that once Inzminger got one point on the board and he knew we could score against Alabama, then we could just keep on playing and do our thing. And that's what happened. We just kept yeah. on scoring, ran out to a bigger lead at halftime by 20, uh, kind of let off the gas maybe a little bit, or at least Alabama found their groove in the second half, coming back to make it close. 
But then, yeah, just some huge gritty plays from Joe and uh, Clyde Edwards will there, obviously. Uh, Justin Jefferson making key catches at the end to keep things alive, just run out the clock and put the, the stamp on it. So, I mean, we did everything we needed to, obviously. You have to play your absolute best to beat Alabama, and we did that. There was a few, maybe some miscues on defense, which we'll, we'll talk about, but overall nothing you can really blame. And it's just, uh, yeah, as good as you can hope for as a Tiger fan. Yeah. Yeah, what about what about you, Tom? What were you uh, overall? What 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 did you think? I, I mean, I think that uh, you know, two weeks ago we watched LSU play Auburn. We we watched LSU play their worst game of the season. Uh, they couldn't convert in the in the red zone. They couldn't. Uh, you know, the defense was had a little bit of trouble, and and it was uh, it was probably too close. It was too close for comfort. Last night we watched LSU play their best game of the season. Mm-hmm. Um. Uh, you know, and I, I would I hope that they can keep that level of play up because we, we're going to have, uh, you know, we're, we're going to be playing a, probably a tough uh, Georgia team in the uh, in the Georgia Dome uh, for the SEC championship, and then you know, uh, if everything goes according to plan, we'll be in the playoff. So we're going to need to keep up, you know, that level of play. But you can't. I mean, that that was an incredible performance by all involved, offense, defense, um, special teams, and you know, just in general, and. I think that's a uh, this is a this is going to be a transcendent win. This is you know this means more than just oh they're undefeated you know oh they're gonna they've got a really good chance at, at uh, you know the 2019 playoff. This is a uh, this is a win that will that is I think that we I tweeted last night like we've arrived. This is the win that brings us back into uh, into that elite conversation. Um, and when you talk about and I, and I think I, I think a lot of people considered it this way. Pretty much since the play, the new playoff format came in, uh, came into, came into play. Uh, you know, there were really two or three elite programs for for majority of this new playoff system. You know, you have Clemson, Alabama, and Ohio State, and I think LSU just cemented themselves as a fourth. And we will see, uh, and we've already seen that the, it paying dividends for the future uh, through rec- through recruits. Uh, committing to LSU, you know, last night, right after the game, and this morning, um, just saw that four hours ago, Coach O tweeted, uh, "Hold that tiger again," which is his kind of, you know, his uh, little uh, smoke signal that something good's happening in in the world of recruiting. So, you know, we'll see we'll see LSU pick up more people, and I think that this is this will be a win that uh, you know we'll remember for a long time, and will pay dividends uh, in the future. Uh, definitely, and I think it's already paying dividends. Uh, you know, like as you mentioned with recruiting, we already had some. Uh, after that game, they said, "All right, well, that made up my mind for me. I'm signing on." Uh, I think it was also just um, uh, that much more amazing for Coach O. You know, it just—I think it finally puts to silence all the doubters that you know doubted him being the hire. And you know, I saw something to where you know there was some uh, some agents talking and. They said, oh, yeah, the LSU just hired Coach O, and they kind of just all laughed to themselves. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people that were laughing at Coach O, and they still laugh at him because of the way he talks and sounds. But, um, you know, he's not laughing. He, he can have the last laugh. Uh, and, you know, he just the, the emotion that he's shown, you know, the last few weeks with that Auburn game, him talking to players that he tried to recruit to LSU and going up to him, wishing them, you know, a good game. You guys are first-round prospects. And then after the game yesterday, and just not afraid to show his emotion, just letting it all out there. Um, 
I, I think that's that's going to pay even more dividends too because players see that and they say, I want to play for that guy. Yeah, I'd like to play for Saban too, but this guy looks like he really cares and he just looks fun. You know, yeah, it's really a sort of culture shift. Like yeah. with the the less miles years, not to, to run into your take a little bit, but yeah. you know, the, the less miles years, like we were, we had good teams, but there just wasn't this type of like energy and passion. Like you really saw that the players just want to go out there and do their best. And then, like you said, recruits want to buy into this program worth of success. Obviously, it's easier to have fun when you're when you're beating everybody, but yeah, it was just kind of changed things around, and people didn't think that was going to happen at all when he started, and yet here we are two and a half years on and yeah just living on top of the world and hopefully that just continues for years to come well and you know like the the, the complaint that a lot of people have with less with the less miles you know way he ran his program was uh that you know you talk about buying in that these players they would come and they you know they'd want to play for less miles they enjoyed playing for lsu it was a great program but it wasn't it, there was just something about it that didn't make them want to come back for that for that senior year yeah. or, you know, if they were a red shirt, stay for that red shirt junior year because, um, you know, they, they, they always thought, Oh yeah, LSU's really good. We've got a, uh, we've got a good program, but it was almost more of like a, a seen as a stepping stone and that LSU will get you to the NFL. It's why, you know, we have more, uh, more college or college players playing in the NFL now, um, you know, than most programs. So we've produced that talent for years but the 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 complaint that they have that a lot of players have was like you know what I I, I don't I just don't want to I'm not as uh, bought into the program or that team itself it's more of you know my for my own purposes and I think that it's completely changed with with Coach O and that's how you win championships you know like when you looked at uh, at Clemson last year um, their two defensive linemen uh, who stayed for their senior years. Um, you know, people like they, they were they were talking about them as being like the reasons why Clemson won because, you know, it's that experience. It's similar to like to to how uh, Richard Lawrence stayed for us and and Braden um, Fahoko too, I think. Yeah, Fahoko. Yeah. So, uh, it you know it's it's huge that um that he's got the program, uh, Coach O that is that he's got the program at this at this level of um of commitment and everyone's bought in everyone's you know uh on the same page and and it also shows that you know that there are other ways to win you know like you don't have to be like a nick saban or a uh or an urban meyer who's pretty ruthless and kind of leaves you know leaves programs and leaves people in the dust if you know if things go if things turn south um Dabo Sweeney kind of has shown that you don't have to you don't have to run a program that way, a winning program. And I think Coach O is another good example of that, where you know he's he's a guy who cares and he cares about the the school, the institution, the state at large, and he's not he's not a, uh, a ruthless guy. No, not at all. And uh, you know that that shows in how other people reacted. I think uh, some people from USC were you know were remarking after the game and tweeting about, damn, we had this guy, we had this guy. But they didn't believe in him. They didn't give him a chance. Uh, and now they're going to be looking for a coach possibly at the end of the year. Um, and going back to what you were saying about you know changing the system and getting everyone on the same page and <laughs> buying in. Um, you know they they'd already announced uh, I think uh, that you know they're looking at in the contract talks with Joe Brady keeping him on, paying him at NFL coordinators type level salary. So 
Yeah, this is already having uh, effects. Uh, and speaking of Brady, uh, I've got to get into this offense because, uh, man, they just they did they look like Clemson did against Alabama last year. You know, just uh, just so much uh, so much flair and just moving the ball around. Um, Joe Burrow had another great game, and he did it on the road against Alabama. And you know there were so many there are so many stats about the this history. You know it goes back to to 2011. So there's all these stats that the that they were throwing at people. Um, but the one that stuck out to me was, you know, last night Joe Burrow had three TDs. Which you know, when you're looking at this season, you think, ah, you know, that's, that's all right. That's good. That's that's really good. Um, but through the previous eight years, um, all those other Tiger quarterbacks combined had four. So that just shows you right there that uh, you know, it's, it, this is this is not your daddy's uh, LSU Tiger team. They're definitely not their offense. Um, and you know what? I, I don't know. I think uh, I, I don't know. I, I guess I would ask you guys: do you, Would you give if you were Coach O? Would you give the game ball to Joe Burrow? Would you give it to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Because uh, I don't know. I, I don't know how you could uh, not choose one or the other. Because Clyde Edwards-Hilaire had over 100 yards rushing and three TDs himself. And he just, man, he looked like, uh, I don't know, he looked like he was on a different level last night. You know, what, uh, what yeah, yeah, Tommy, so what What did you, uh, you know, what did you, what'd you see from the offense that just, I don't know, just kind of had you in shock or just, uh, I, I don't even know how to describe it. But, uh, yeah, <laughs> I guess talk about the offense. <laughs> I mean, I think that Joe, it was a great performance from Joe. Not to you know, there was not a. I don't think it was a down a downturn or oh he had a bad game or anything like that. He had a great game, and he played the way that that we need him to play, which is excellent. He, you know, um, he led that offense. He made key plays. He was he run, ran fearlessly. He threw the ball where it needed to be. Um, that being said, and and this season, I think this season is Joe's season. But that game was Clyde Edwards-Helaire's game, mm. and. You know, the the he we asked a, we asked him to do a lot last night. We asked Joe to do a lot every game, and he and he does it. But that's it's almost expected at this point. You know, he is the centerpiece of our offense. But Clyde really, really stepped up, and on the biggest stage, you know, like we said earlier, like all the doubters, all the oh he's too small. I mean, I, me and Daniel kept looking at each other. I, we, if we should have, we should have counted Daniel. The amount of times that Gary Danielson and uh, Brad Nessler and all the all the talking heads mentioned how small he is. And I mean, like you know what? He might be five eight, but he played like he was six eight last night. Mm-hmm. And I mean, he he was the clearly the best running back on the field. And that's with Najee Harris. I, th- I mean, Clyde, I would take I'd take Clyde ten out of ten times in that game again with you know compared to Najee, and that's not a slight on Najee Harris. He's a great guy. He runs. He ran incredibly well, but you know Clyde Edwards-Helaire showed out yesterday. He he caught he caught numerous passes and he ran the ball incredibly well. And then it was the extra effort plays, those gritty plays. I mean, there was there was one uh, in the third quarter, I believe, where uh, he runs into three people, and there's and the pile just keeps moving, and he moves three yards while being tackled to to for uh, you pick up the first down, mm-hmm. and so you know I think that like it reminded me a lot of um, that Jeremy Hill game against South Carolina, uh, where he just took over and and you know basically single handedly won the game. Now I'm now I mean 
Joe played well. The wide receivers played well. Jamar Chase, uh, Justin Jefferson. Thad Moss had, you know, maybe the catch of the year. Um, so it was a, definitely an all-around effort, and the, the offense was firing on all cylinders. But I do think – I think that if, you know, if I had to give the game ball, if I can't give the game ball to two people – or if you know, because I mean, they do they do uh, circulate circulate balls in and out, so there's multiple balls. But if I'm giving it to one, I'm giving it to Clyde. Yeah, I kind of echo everything you said there. You kind of want to have your cake and eat it too by just what an amazing performance by Clyde on the ground game and receiving, just doing everything he can to win. Like you could tell, he wanted to win. He put in that effort every single time he touched the ball breaking tackles. I think he had three or four crazy spin moves that just left Alabama linebackers on the ground. I was like, where did this man, like, we knew he was good, obviously, but it was like he was on, like, the next level in Madden. Like, he had turned his sliders up to 100, (laughs) and so he was just out there doing that work. And then you just kind of look at it in terms of matchups because Alabama obviously has a great offense, too, and everything that they did, we just kind of did it a little bit better, to be honest. Like, obviously, Tua is hurt. And you could tell that during the game he was limping and he wasn't comfortable. And, but Joe just was more precise. He didn't make the miscues. And then, like, in the rush game, like, Najee Harris had quite a, several good runs against us. But Clyde just out-muscled him every step of the way. And then Alabama's vaunted trio of receivers with Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, and Devontae Smith. They all had great catches. But then our guys matched up just as well, if not better, with Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, Terrace Marshall, and then that X-Factor Thaddeus Moss. Uh, they all came through big, just like how you want to see it. So we just kind of outpaced them just every step along the way as far as offense and then didn't make the miscues, especially like you look at penalties and stuff. There wasn't much of that at all, which we discussed saying, all right, we can't beat ourselves because Alabama will, will do the beating for you if you let them. And so we just executed everything perfectly, really. So great game, great play calling. And, yeah, that's it, 46 points against Bama. Love to see it. Yeah. Uh, in, in going back to uh, what you said about Edwards Hilaire and just his effort, um, yeah, I mean, I saw several examples of that. And I don't know if the, you mentioned one just now, Tommy, and I don't know if this is the same one, but I think at the end of the game, uh, well, there's two, two plays, actually. Uh, the actual touchdown, the last touchdown that, you know, put us further ahead, uh, some, you know, he met a guy from Bama head on. I think the number seven for Bama, he was just going for the strip. But Clyde pretty much ran into him, pushed him off, said, excuse me, I've got somewhere to be. And then he just kept powering his little leg right into the end zone. And then on the very next drive, LSU had to get a first down to, you know, extend it to kind of put the game away. Otherwise, Alabama would have had the ball again. And that's where I saw Clyde run. I think it was like for four or five yards, but then, like you said, he got pushed up, but he was still going forward. He had three guys on him, and he was still going forward, and I think his teammates saw that, and they just all started pushing, and then it was like a 12-yard gain, and that just me summed it up all right there. It's like That's why I'd say LSU, it just seemed like they were willing this game. They, they just were not going to be denied, um, and yeah, I agree. I, I think it all started with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire because... Uh, you know, we, we knew Bama could be ran on, uh, and, and they did. I'm glad they did not uh, shy away from that. Um, and, yeah, there's just, uh, you know, they did not beat themselves too much with penalties, although I, I did notice a lot of face mask calls on both sides that, that didn't get caught called. So, uh, I don't know, the SEC officiating is just 
kind of really bad this year, but I'm glad it didn't really decide the game. Um, uh, so, you know, now we, now we kind of turn our focus to TELUSU's defense, which, you know, I would say they, uh, they gave up a lot of big plays, but again, it's on the road against Alabama, against Tua and his receivers and Najee Harris, and they did enough to win, and uh, in the end, I think that's all you, they need to do. They had some big plays, you know, they got to Tua, they got an interception, they, you know, he was not comfortable back there, definitely not in the first half, um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I, let's uh, let's start back with you, t- uh, Daniel. Um, defensively, what did you think about their game? I mean, I know there's still some things to work on, but uh, you know, but overall, uh, how would you how would you rate the Tigers' defense? Right. So we were a little bit nervous, kind of coming into the game, especially with the the departure of Michael Divinity early on uh, in the week, which we discussed in our last podcast pretty thoroughly. But everybody filled in the gap. Uh, linebacking uh, did great. Patrick Queen and Jacob Phillips were just commanding the field. Uh, and then, yeah, Caleb on Chase on had a, a great game. Ten total tackles from him, three and a half tackles for loss, uh, including one quarterback, Hurry. So he really stepped up, uh, made the 18 proud there. And then, uh, yeah, just we – you saw it a couple times in the second half when we got burned deep uh, on the outside. Stingley and Christian Fulton, I think, both had one instance apiece where they got kind of left in the dust. One time happened – where Stingley, like he checked at the sideline, it looked like Dave Aranda had kind of yelled something at him. He looked at the sideline, Bama snapped it, and Devontae Smith was gone. Before Stingley could turn around, he was five yards past him, and that was when they scored that, I think, like 80-yard touchdown pass at the very end. So that was just a little bit of a mistake there. But, yeah, everybody else filled in. You look at the list of players who had tackles in LSU, and, like, I'm looking at it right now. It's like 20 people long. So we really scaled up and down the depth chart, everybody contributing. The, the one thing that... Alabama did pretty well is uh, keep our pass rush off. I, I think we only had like one sack during the game, and Bama had quite more than that. But, I mean, as long as we put Tua in the situation where he was having to throw before he wants to or off his wrong foot, then that's all you really need to do, and we came through with that. Yeah. What, 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 what say you, Tommy? I, yeah, I agree. I think that LSU's defense played – I mean, I think they played really well, actually. Um, you know, th- yeah, they gave up some, they gave up points, but this is this is one of the best offenses in the country. You know, when when uh, when you see Devontae Smith run off for a touchdown or Najee Harris run off, you know, I'm like, you know what? Like, it's gonna happen. You're gonna be you're playing against one of the best teams in the country, and uh, you know, they made the stops when they needed to. I was very impressed with, like, uh, like Daniel said, uh, Chasson. I was impressed with, uh, with our own Monroe native, uh, Rashard Lawrence. Had two tip passes; those were huge. Yeah. Um, one tip pass forced, uh, forced it to fourth down, I believe. Which, which you know, then they, uh, I think that was the, that was right before, right when the punter dropped the ball or whatever. Yeah. Um, which was a huge, a huge play. Yeah. Huge and I think the other one was right before Tua fumbled uh, in the like a th- yeah. five or whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think you're right. So I mean, like two huge, uh, huge tips, and that's you know some real heads up kind of, uh, you know, heads up defensive line play. Um, and I think that I, I again, you know, we we talked about it on the podcast before when we were kind of previewing this game. You know, I, I said I was really excited to watch out for uh, Marcel Brooks, and he showed up. Um, you know he was he he's a fierce pass rusher, and I'm ready to watch him grow. You know, grow and and get better and uh, improve because he's a true freshman, just like uh, just like Stingley and and Ty Davis Price and you know the others. So um, the defense, I think that 
it wasn't some sort of, you know, we didn't snuff them out. We didn't hold them to, you know, less than 100 yards or something like that. But um, but they played well, and, and we got the, got the win, and they didn't give up anything. You know, they, they, weren't, they weren't just, uh, just uh, letting everything go. No. Uh, no, they weren't. And uh, going back to Daniel, the, uh, the, the one where they stingly checked the sideline, they, 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 they showed it live. So what had happened was is it looked like Alabama had this trick move where Tua pretended he heard something on the sideline. So while his head was facing the sideline, he clapped. So I think when LSU saw that, then they thought, oh, okay. So that's when I think some, somebody said something to Stingley, or he saw that on Tua, so he checked the sideline to see if there was a play, uh, a play call change. Uh, but then, like, Tua didn't even turn his head, clapped his hands, and they'd already hiked the ball. So I think that was just a, like a tricky maneuver by Bama, unless it was some fluke play. But I, I don't think it was. It looked... It looked like they'd practiced it. Um, so that, that could explain one of them, which, you know, good for them. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that wasn't the only time Stingley got beat. But, you know, like you said, Tommy, it's, you know, this is, uh, this is a really good offensive team that they face. This is the best receiving core that, that LSU will face. You yeah, know, I don't, I don't, I can't think of anyone. And and you know, we debated it on the podcast before. Is like, you know, I, I think LSU and LSU and uh and Alabama are are one A one B. You know, I don't know which one's A, which one's B, but they're both, they both matched up. You know, their receivers are the most dynamic receivers in college football. So when we're facing, you know, let's just theoretically, we're we're gonna play Georgia, we're gonna play Clemson, we're gonna play Ohio State. We'll play Oregon or or Oklahoma. You won't we like you know Stingley probably won't be won't be facing the, this quality of receivers the rest of the season. So I'm okay with the true again the true freshman, you know, giving up a a big player to to you know a guy who's probably gonna be who's gonna be a first round draft pick. Right. Yeah, and you say like Alabama has potentially two top five picks on the same offense with Tua and Jerry Judy, and then probably two or three more first round picks after that with Devontae Smith, you know, Henry Ruggs, and maybe Najee Harris. So like with that type of talent, I mean, forty one points is is a fair amount, but just a container to that with, with the prolific offense they've had before is is pretty respectable. Yeah, uh, I mean, in, in addition to those guys, I mean, they also got some guys that can return punts apparently because. Uh, going into special teams, uh, that that was uh, that was the type of thing that I thought you know would trip up LSU was like they would start to build a lead, but then something like that would happen. Uh, it did, but you know, luckily it didn't phase the Tigers one bit. But it was a nice punt return by Jalen Waddle. Um, other than that, though, uh, LSU had had really good special teams. Uh, Cade York, the freshman, hit. Two really good field goals on the road in Alabama. Uh, I, you know, I can't ask much more from him. Uh, you know, that Tigers didn't really have much on their end as far as punt or kickoff returns, but um, pretty solid except for the you know the punt return touchdown, which kind of brought Alabama right back into it. But um, yeah, so now that we got all that out of the way <laughs> and we can exhale, there is so much talk before this game. And, you know, I, I was just like you you guys probably did. I, I heard what Colin Cowherd had said. I'd seen what Feinbaum had seen, other people. But I, I wanted to pose this question to you guys. Now that this game is over, 
And, uh, you know, not only did LSU beat Alabama, but without looking at the score, you could tell that LSU just, you know, they, they outplayed them. Yeah, it was a certain yeah. degree. Um, what was the dumbest thing that you had heard this week, maybe, leading up to this game, that now that this game is over, you, you'd lo- if you could ask that person or whoever it was, just like, hey, you said this, so what do you have to say now? Like, so what, what, what was the dumbest thing that you'd heard this week? If you guys could find one, uh, I think that I mean I I think that I mean it's tough. <laughs> yeah, so so much to choose from. There's, but, yeah, there's a lot you, to choose you can from too if you want. So Colin Cowherd, you know, he gave his monologue where um, I actually I think I rewatched it this morning. I, I either watched it yesterday morning or this morning. I can't exactly remember, but um, and he you know he said this is Nick Saban's series. You know he owns the series. He he doesn't lose, you know, yada yada, and um, but but I mean I don't know like going into this game I thought we had a great chance and I thought that we were going to be we were you know we I thought we'd win, but I also recognized that you know it was going to be a it was going to be a, a tough game for us and I I think that I think that in general you know Cowherd uh, Stephen A Smith, which the whole Stephen A Smith thing. Is strange because I don't remember him being you know in the bag for Alabama as much, um, and except for that this uh, summer he came to Alabama and they paid him to give a speech and and hype up the team and talk about leadership or something I don't know something like that hard work, and so now on for on first take and on his you know his shows and every time all of his appearances he's just the biggest Alabama homer. Um, so actually, I'm going to change it. It's not Cowherd. It's actually Stephen A. Smith. Because, <laughs> because I mean, I, yeah, I think it, I don't even remember. I don't have like an exact quote of him, but he's just going off on you know, this is oh Alabama's so good and uh, yada yada yada. And it's like you're not even you're not you don't even. This is you, you literally are are only supporting them because you went and gave a speech for Nick Saban and you were showed around the you got showed around the locker room and they treated you like a recruit. And now you're and now you're a, a huge you know homer on the station. Now I mean that's good. You know Nick Saban's always been good at the optics, and he's always been good at, at the at the you know massaging those media relationships. A, and get ready because I th- I can I think that there will be yeah, L- LSU definitively beat Alabama. They have no business getting into the playoff. It's done. They need to be done. You know they had their chance, and they were at, we have two teams eight and zero. In the top four of the of the college football playoff rankings, and Alabama, one team prevailed, one team lost, and that team was Alabama. So, in my eyes, they they're dead. They should be dead. Have fun at the Sugar Bowl. You know, enjoy yeah. it. Go yeah. enjoy. You know, and and you know what? I'll predict it right now. They'll lose their bowl game if they're not in the playoff. They'll lose the bowl game. Mm-hmm. But um. But regardless. The the talking heads, including Stephen A. Max Kellerman, all of them that this is they're about to start the crusade. And give all the excuses as to why Alabama still deserves to be in the playoff, and and it's and I you have to give credit to Nick Saban and his operation because I don't think that that is by coincidence. You know that he has built up a a persona, a prestige, and an intimidation factor to where you know a lot of these people. He, he either get you're either in the good graces of Nick Saban like a Paul Feinbaum who is like Nick Saban's press secretary. Or you're intimidated by him, but either way, it's the same result. They they all shill for him, so you know prepare yourself for that. I think um, 
in the coming weeks, you know, we I, I saw I was watching uh, Matt Mascana's show last night, the the post game he does, and uh, he was saying, you know, we're all the biggest Pac-12 fans in the world right now because we need, you know, we need a definitive Pac-12 champion to keep keep these guys out of the playoff, and so. Um, I think that's what we got to look for. Look for, and I think that I think of the Stephen A. Smith stuff of just the, you know, how oh, oh they're so good. They're, they they can't even lose. It's not even a cool. It's not. There's not even a chance. That was probably the dumbest thing. Yeah, okay. I'm not gonna maybe go so in depth about people loving Alabama, which which people like to do. But yeah, it kind of just is reflected in what you had mentioned earlier, Tommy, about the commentators for the game, just especially in the second half when every time Bama would make a good play. Gary's freaking out. Like, obviously, he wants to just call a, a competitive game and just for the TV excitement, like for the ratings or whatever. But yeah, just every time Bama would score, he'd be freaking out. And then every time the LSU would be a close play or LSU would do something good, he'd be like, "All right, and that's another uh, Tiger first down." The LSU keeps on moving, and so it seemed to just be yeah, a little bit of a lean there. Maybe that's just coming from the eyes of an LSU fan. I'm sure. People uh, over in Alabama feel differently. But, yeah, and, and it comes back to, like, Thaddeus Moss, that tippy-toe touchdown, literally about as close as you can get on the sideline uh, to where a lot of the – they're bringing out the rules expert, and they're saying, like, oh, he might be out of bounds, whatever. Like, he didn't establish himself. And then the refs called it that it was a catch, and they were all like, well, okay. Um, <laughs> so they may not be what they had wanted there. But, I mean – you can't deny at this point that LSU is the, the best team in the country. And they, they reflected that in the, the AP poll just came out, and we were like by far number one with Ohio State number two. And I expect that to be the same way in the, the playoff polls when they come out, or the playoff rankings, rather, when they come out on Tuesday. Yeah, we'll see. I, I don't know. What I also noticed about that poll, though, is they all had Alabama at number four. So yep. it seems like they're all trying to say, uh, yeah, we know they lost, but, you know, A, they didn't lose by much. And uh, Tua was hurt, and uh, it is Alabama, so they should be number four. And I don't know, I really don't expect the committee to think much differently, to be honest with you, based on everything that you guys just said. But um, I know there's a lot of people that do feel differently. You know, like, I think the rest of the country is behind us, because everyone in the country was commenting, you know, America wins tonight. Yeah, they're all, they're all tired of seeing the Alabama bias, perceived, perceivably, in the media. Um, but you know that's uh, that's what you get with uh, you know with winning. It gives you the benefit of the doubts, uh, way more so with the media as well. But I thought the dumbest thing or two that I heard was from none other than Paul Feinbama himself. He was actually on <laughs> Stephen A. Smith's show when he said this, and uh, you know Smith was asking him about the differences, and you know he didn't he wasn't asked specifically about LSU's running backs. I don't think, but. Feinbaum said, you know, you just look at the just look at the you know the breakdown of the, the players, the teams they have. LSU's running backs, eh, they're okay, but they're not Alabama's. That's specifically what he said. Mm-hmm. I thought, wow, okay. Well, Clyde Edwards made him eat those words. And then right after that, they were talking about Joe Burrow. And I think this is dumber than the one I just said. He was talking about LSU's uh, you know passing game, and he was trying to make a point that. I mean, but these, you know, but these receivers—they're so good. They're like they're already NFL receivers. Oh, you could just find any guy in the parking lot and throw to these guys. Oh, uh, yeah, I did hear that. Yeah. Right. And I'm thinking, oh, really? Because we would have, if that was the case, then we did you know, have we, we did have every guy in the parking lot. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the last guy that threw over 200 yards against him was Mettenberger. 
And uh, we actually got him from a parking lot in Georgia. So <laughs> anyway, Fine Bone is just—he's just ridiculous. He—he he can get away with a lot, I guess, because he's just been doing it so long. But that type of analysis is just—it's so awful to listen to because it's not based on anything other than them just—you know—obviously trying to uh, to kowtow to to Alabama's legacy, and it's just horrible well, to listen to. You know, the other thing, and I've heard I've heard Cowherd say this. I've heard. Um, I, I, or well, wait. Put a pin in that. So last night again on on Matt Muscana's show, the the post game they call it whiskey and wine. It's like a wrap up show, and uh, he goes and he was talking to uh, uh, his the co host Jordy, and he goes, um, you know, oh I think Matt was saying Bama's out. It's over. You know, you you're done. Take good luck next year. Enjoy the Sugar Bowl, and Jordy goes. Well, you know what, though? Like, it's a television show. Like, the college football, like, the playoffs, it's a TV show. It's about ratings. And Alabama rates well. I've heard Cowherds talk about it when he talks about the – he talks about the Warriors. He talks about the Patriots. Same thing with Alabama. Like, dynasties rate really well in in, – like, for games, like, people watching in in terms of, you know, TV ratings. And so – they're gonna they're gonna try every single and Feinbaum you know get ready because on ESPN Feinbaum's gonna be there and Stephen A Smith and all of them are gonna be there and they're just gonna it, it's gonna be circling the wagons to make every excuse in the book as to why Bama still needs to be in the playoff so um you know and it, and like you said it is a TV show and they're gonna and. They feel like Alabama is going to be the the team, and that's and that's why Feinbaum can say all the all the stuff he does. Like he's why he has a primetime show on ESPN now, where you know ten years ago he was a random talk radio guy in Birmingham, Alabama. Yeah. He's a he's a he's a product of you know it's a symbiotic relationship between him and Nick Saban. He when Nick Saban started winning at Alabama, uh, Feinbaum was there to be the Howard Cosell. You know the guy that to, to the megaphone that talked about and went in depth on everything, and then as Alabama won more, Feinbaum got more popular, and and so you know it works both ways. But um, but that's why you see you know the, that he's so prominent now. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, and he you know he's not going anywhere until he retires because uh, I guess he's affable that way. But uh, I don't know. I just think it was just a whole bunch of silliness, and I I even saw it. I don't know if it was on ESP. I think it was on ESPN. Uh, on their main site or on their app or whatever it was, uh, you know, it's one of those just articles about the you know the college football day in general. And the headline was, LSU and Ohio State uh, make them you know out to make impressions or, or made you know statement wins today. And I thought, really? <laughs> LSU beat Alabama on the road. Yeah, and Ohio State beat Maryland at home, a 3 and 6 Maryland team. I know they beat them 73 to 14, but is that really a statement win? I mean, well, what? and also, how is it a statement win? Like, I don't what are you what are you doing when you're Ohio State and you're up by like three touchdowns and you kick an onside kick and you recover it? Like, what what are you even doing? Uh, um, I mean, I guess it I guess it would make sense that that they're looking over their shoulder and thinking you know, we need to – LSU Alabama is going to play today, and whoever wins that game is most likely going to overtake us. We need to go and do everything in our power to make ourselves look better than them. So we're going to try and ha- – we're going to hang as many as we can on this poor on this poor team from Maryland. But, yeah. I mean, regardless, no, that's not a statement win at all. 
Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, there yeah, were some statements. Maryland lost to Temple, so uh, <laughs> keep that in mind. Right, right. Uh, and speaking of losses and statement losses, uh, one of the top four has already lost. Um, and I got going back to what we were talking about earlier with Coach O, I think Minnesota has the same thing with uh, P.J. Fleck. Uh, I know he just signed like an eight-year extension, but he, he beat Penn State at home, and he, he ran into his locker room and jumped in and crowd-surfed his own, his own players after yeah, that I saw win. That. That, was a, that was a nice win, gritty win. I think Minnesota, you know, they're, they're going to be the ones to maybe challenge Ohio State in the Big Ten. I don't know if there's a someone else that's as good, but they look really good. Um, uh, yeah, they, they look good. I don't, I, I don't think that they'll give, give Ohio State much of a game, though. I might be wrong. I hope I'm, you know, I, I guess I yeah. hope I'm wrong, but I, I don't know. I think Ohio State is kind of in a league of their own in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And I think the Big 12, uh, Baylor might be their only hope. Uh, I mean, they, they barely won against uh, TCU, but Oklahoma almost lost to Ohio State. And I don't know if you saw this, but they only lost because Ohio – I'm sorry, Iowa State. Iowa yeah. State. Uh, yeah, uh, Iowa State was on the road at Oklahoma, and they only lost because they didn't convert a two-point conversion at the end of the game. Yeah. Uh, and it was really close, too. Like, the guy had it, but I think the, the Sooner DB just ripped it out. or I don't know. It was really close. So uh, the Big 12 is going to have to pin their hopes on Baylor probably. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's either going to be Baylor or you know if if everything if if all hell breaks loose and uh, and teams start losing left and right, then it could be um, you know I guess a, a one loss Oklahoma might sneak in, but I yeah I think you're right. I think it's probably Baylor if if anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the way I see it, I think uh, if things kind of keep going, LSU wins out and they're in. Obviously, we'll talk. I, I want to talk about like what LSU has in store in the next couple weeks here in a second. But yeah, and Ohio State wins, they're in. Clemson. They got a pretty easy pass, and they're in. So everybody's just fighting for that fourth spot. And the way it kind of figures to me, it's probably going to either be a one-loss Oregon versus a one-loss Pac-12 champion Oregon versus a one-loss Big 12 champion Oklahoma, and just whoever the committee sees as being the better team there. And if you go by the rankings that we have at this point, most likely Oregon. So uh, it would be LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, and Oregon, which I think is a pretty decent playoff, especially – if Oregon gets that fourth spot, and then we would play them first round, and you can't complain too much there. Much better, I would say, at least, than playing Alabama or, or Georgia or Clemson, obviously. So we'll see how that shakes out. Yeah, I just wanted to mention real quick, though, that uh, Texas beats Kansas State. I, I know we talked about Texas seemed like they were starting to fall off, but uh, uh, you know that, that was one of the other upsets today. So that, that kind of helps with us. Because I think you know, if Texas wins out and their record's at like 9-3 and three or something, then uh, – you know, I think that'll maybe at the end of the year influence some decision if they're looking at a bunch of one-loss teams. Because at this point, if Georgia wins out, that's who LSU is probably going to face in the SEC championship game. So, yeah, assuming LSU wins out too. Um, so, yeah, what uh, got a road game at Ole Miss? Um, it almost seems weird to even talk about it considering the win they just had but yeah you know LSU's got that 24-hour rule so they they can't let this overtake them because they got to focus on another team here yeah um, Ole Miss isn't that great they have a losing record at this point in the season but I mean you just can never be too careful Ole Miss has beaten Alabama when they were much worse than them a few years ago that was actually the last win 
at Bryant-Denny Stadium was in 2015 when Ole Miss beat them there. And so it had been 31 games since LSU – or since anybody beat Alabama at home. But, yeah, Ole Miss, they got a, a pretty good young quarterback, John Rice Plumley, who loves to run. We haven't really faced somebody like that yet this season, so I'm interested to see how they uh, game plan to contain him. But I think our talent and athleticism across the board just allows us to, to win that game. But, yeah, they'll prepare – uh, face-off against Ole Miss, um, who's one of our main rivals, obviously. So, interesting game either way and move on. Yeah, and I, I think the biggest thing for LSU is, you know, obviously play well enough, get the win, uh, but just try not to get hurt. Well, I'd yep. say these next two games especially because I think Arkansas is even worse than Ole Miss. Uh, and I don't know, both of these guys might – both of these teams – well, I don't know about it all, Miss, but I think Arkansas is going to be looking for a new coach. Uh, South Carolina might be looking for a new coach since they lost. Arkansas the already fired their coach. They fired. Oh, him. that's right. Yeah. yeah. So they're yeah they're he's gone. They're going to be looking for a new coach. Uh, you know these next two games against these awful teams. You know that's just you just don't want anyone to get hurt. Um, I, I wouldn't say the same about A and M. I think that'll be a a good game, gritty, based on what happened last year, but. Uh, as far as Ole Miss, you just go out and do what you normally do, and uh, that, that'll take care of itself. Uh, what, what about you, Tom? You got any thoughts on Ole Miss? Um, I, I really like that quarterback, uh, Plumley. I think he, yeah. I think he's a he's a, a, a talented guy. That being said, I, I don't see much trouble for LSU. You know, he's he's a, I think he's a true freshman, and um, they don't have much talent around him. Uh, you know, it's an SEC game, it's, and and, a, and it's an away game, so you can't you can't take them lightly. Um, wouldn't want to have like a letdown after uh, you know after playing incredibly well yesterday. You know, we want to settle back into the to the routine and, and uh, get ready for another another SEC game. But I think that LSU won't have much trouble with them. Same thing with Arkansas as they come down the pike. So. Uh, so yeah, I think yeah, I think we'll be okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it's just a matter of uh, managing the players properly so that you know they, there's not any unnecessary. Yeah, definitely, and stay. You got to stay healthy. You're you're totally right. Yeah, because uh, after beating Alabama, you know, it's like now that that is behind them, they have to think. All right, if we just win these next three games, uh, I'm not even going to include the SEC championship. Uh, but if you just win these next three games, then. You're in the driver's seat. I don't see how anyone could leapfrog LSU just based on their previous uh, record. I mean, that's four AP top ten wins. Um, no one else even comes close. Yeah, plus you see number four at Georgia in the SEC championship. So, yeah, if LSU wins out against with five top ten wins, like that's a pretty amazing record. You can't put anybody else above number one there. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Even if even if uh, like let's say LSU loses on a last second field goal, uh, you know, based on what they've done the previous ten games, you know, could you leave LSU out at that point? Maybe they could Alabama their way back into the uh, the playoff just because of what they've already done. Remember, it's your whole body of work and all that. Uh, I guess we'll see though. Um, did you uh, did you guys have any? Uh, any other thoughts based on some other games you saw or any other any other things we didn't get to with the the game in Tuscaloosa? Um, Not too much. There a few teams were, were off this week. Um, just touching on, yeah, like the undefeateds at this point, LSU, Ohio State, Clemson, they're all in the driver's seat. And the other two, nobody really could have predicted them, Minnesota and Baylor. 
Uh, Minnesota actually, I mean, yeah, we, we talked about a nice win for them over Penn State, so they actually could be a contender. Uh, P.J. Flex got the program rolling in the right direction there. But Baylor, yeah, they don't look too great. They barely escaped against TCU in triple overtime. So expect that 9-0 unblemished record to not be that way by the end of the season. So I figure them probably out. And although if they do beat Oklahoma next week, then Baylor could be knocking on the door of the playoff, making a big jump. But I still feel like that's kind of unlikely. And then everybody else kind of just scrapping around underneath. Nothing yeah. too crazy. So uh, we talked about it earlier, and uh, so I just wanted to circle back to it about how we've already seen some, some ripple effects from this win against Alabama last night. And during the game, or right after the game, Elias Rick said he was shutting down his recruitment. You know, it's, it's you know, wait to be seen if he if he ultimately signs, but, I mean, that says a lot right there. Uh, but then, actually, today, LSU actually got a commitment from this coveted uh, four-star, five-star defensive tackle, Jacoby and Guillory. And, uh, I mean, I, I think that's where, you know, Ed was already good. Coach O was already good at recruiting, but a win like that gets him those guys that, you know, might have slipped away in recent news. So, how huge do you think this is, you know, this one win, not just for this season, but, you know, kind of beyond? Because, I mean, just based on recruiting alone. Yeah, I mean, you know, I said it at the, at the top of the show, and, and I'll say it again. I think this is, a, this is a, another step. Um, you know, LSU's climbing that ladder into the elite, um, into that elite category. And I know that, you know, LSU's been an elite program with, a, with an elite brand, and, you know, we've been known for football for, you know, forever. But I almost think that, you know, that with the, with the way that the playoff system, when the playoff system changed college football, um, it went from, you know, kind of almost a, a win every game that you play and then kind of hope for the best because with the old BCS, you know, you could, you could go undefeated and be left out just by the luck of the draw. Um, you know, uh, like you talk about uh, uh, Oklahoma State back in 2011. So... With the way that the playoff system is, you know, you, there's like room. There's room for about five or six, you know, elite, elite programs that are going to contend every year for a national championship because it's not, you know, you can have that one loss or it's not um, dependent on one conference to get in and, and compete for a championship. And I think LSU, with that win last night, kind of with everything they've been putting together over this season, and then to cap it off with that win and hopefully, you know, more success in the future of this season. Um, we we took that step into into the elite uh, program into an elite program status, and you see it with uh, with the recruits. You see it with Elias Ricks and and Jacobian, and uh, I think you'll see it from you know as we as we continue to go on. Like I said earlier, uh, Coach O tweeted about four hours ago, um, and we're recording on Sunday, uh, so it's about you know around twelve o'clock. Coach O uh, tweeted, "Hold that tiger." Which means another, you know, he's got some good news about someone else too. And I saw, uh, I forget who was, I think it was Ryan Clark talking about it. Um, you know, when 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 Alabama comes into comes into Louisiana, um, or when they come into to a recruit's house, who who's looking at LSU, maybe he's not from Louisiana, but he but that's in one of his top. They'll what they'll they will flat out say to him, if you go to LSU, you'll play us and lose. And Last night we proved that, that that's not always the case, and that especially for the future, you know, that might have been the case with Les Miles as the coach, 
it might have been the case when we were running uh, a 1945 era offense of you know <laughs> a halfback dive right, dive left, ground uh, dive, and pound, ground and pound, yeah, you know, toss left, toss right, and then punt. But uh, but to, but today's LSU team with Joe Brady, with Coach O, with Dave Aranda, uh, you know you can't you can't just go into a recruit uh, thing and say like, do you want to win or lose? Because come to Alabama, we'll beat LSU every year. It's not how it's going to be in the future. And so that, like I said, it's going to pay dividends from t- from uh, from for the time being on, and uh, it's it's just a it's a great feeling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was going to say pretty much exactly the same thing. It's like if I was a elite recruit, why would I choose LSU over Alabama if I know that we're going to lose to them every single year? And so this just proves to those guys that yeah, we can beat Alabama, and plus we can beat everybody else too. So. It, it takes some time to kind of flip that program, but yeah, we're at that point now where a recruit from California or from Georgia is like, well, who's going to win the national championship? I want to win. And you'd say, oh, LSU, they're winning right now. They got a Heisman quarterback. They got elite people everywhere. I want to be part of that. And so then that's how they, they start pulling that talent from across the country. And as far as on the recruiting front, now that Jacoby and Hillary is committed, we've actually filled up all 25 of our spots. Uh, which is going to be interesting as we go forward here, considering that there's a few top-level talents still looking at LSU, including uh, Zach Evans, the number one running back in the country, and then uh, Jordan Birch, who is, I think, the number two overall player, uh, number two defensive end. And so if some guys maybe end up not being part of our recruiting class in the future to try and make room for them, I mean, it's kind of a sad part of the process, but... I want the best talent that we can get. So we'll have to see how that pans out. Still got a few weeks before the, the signing day. But, yeah, I know that just for that huge win for LSU on the national stage, all those recruits were at the game, seeing the Fighting Tigers take down Alabama, and you know that has to make an impression on them. It's also kind of strange to think that these guys were like nine years old the last time we beat Alabama. <laughs> no, that is crazy. It's almost like when they were – like at the beginning of the season, they were showing Bo Nix uh, – when when Cam Newton like did something I, I forget what game I don't know what highlight the game game but Cam Newton runs over and you see Bo Nix like on the as a as like a seven year old you know like cheering or whatever mm-hmm. um, it was pretty cool but you know and Daniel you said that uh, that it's good you know Alabama had so many recruits there at the game watching and a lot of these recruits are are you know they're considering LSU Alabama and that's why they were at that game and I don't know if y'all saw this but at after the game. Uh, Marcel Brooks, Grant Delpit, and Thad Moss ran over to that to that section where the recruits were hanging out and just started like like hyping them up, being like, "Hey, look, you know where you want to come. Like, forget about this. Come down to Baton Rouge and come check our our team out." So that was kind of a cool moment. Um, did y'all see that video? So they run over to the so like you know all the all the recruits have a section that they sit they sit at at the games, uh-huh. and uh, and you know they're they're there with Alabama like you know they're they're on their Alabama visit and they're sitting with Alabama uh program of program you know representatives and they're getting the royal treatment and uh all these LSU players run over and start you know saying like hey look at us like this is you know come come to Baton Rouge you don't want to be here you know we just we just beat this team so right LSU yeah they're about to have uh 
the coldest recruiting cycles the next few years. And yeah, I, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a little pun there. I, I was just thinking of this guy's name because he committed right before this game, uh, DeColdis Crawford. Uh, I imagine LSU is going to get a lot more uh, top-in guys committing, but I don't think anyone's going to have a better name than DeColdis Crawford, who's uh, right now the number two commitment for the 2022 class. Um, a wide receiver out of uh, Shreveport area. And and not only is he the coldest, he's also the coldest to ever do it. <laughs> That's his middle name. <laughs> okay. Yes, he is. Um, yeah, yeah, that guy's uh, 6'1 right now. He'll probably, probably grow a little bit more since he's a few years away. Um, but I, I wanted to ask you because, uh, you know, it came up and it's going to come up over the next few weeks. Tommy, you kind of already gave your thoughts about it. You think, sorry, Bama is out. Um, they they had their chance to uh, to to kind of reserve their their ticket, punch their ticket. But you know LSU beat them. Well, I think in a perfect world, Bama's out. I, I, now I, I I would not be surprised if right. If, well, I, I, that's that's just what I was going to ask you is if yeah. you guys, you know, objectively speaking, of course, uh, do you really think that Bama would be out of the playoff picture, even though we have three more weeks to go, not including, you know, there's still the SEC championship game. Anything can happen, but, you know, just three more regular season games. Um, you know, what if, if you don't think they're out, or if you think they're out, you don't think anything other than LSU loss would get them back in there other than, say, you know, uh, Oklahoma losing again or Ohio State misstepping or Clemson misstepping, something like that. It's kind of a question of whether I feel like they should be out of the – playoff uh, considerations or whether they actually are out of playoff considerations because yeah, obviously exactly. right now they're not out of the conversation because right. they're ranked number four. I mean, and that's the AP poll, not the, the one that really matters, the CFB poll, but they're ranked number four, which means they're in right now, uh, which is still pretty crazy to think about. Like you lose and you only move down one spot and you're still in the top four, but yeah, so it's kind of like they're in a similar situation to what we were talking about before many weeks on the podcast where you, it was us where we our one losses to Bama, we could still get in. Them, our one losses to LSU, the number one team, we played them pretty close. Why couldn't we be in the in the playoff? So, in, in my personal opinion, they probably shouldn't be in uh, over some other one loss conference champion like uh, Oklahoma or Oregon. But that's just kind of how it rolls. Yeah, I yeah I think that I think that if the uh, if the system was fair, and if and if everyone weighed every team, you know, in a vacuum and and considered every every aspect, then no, they're out. You know, I think you have to say that because they aside, you know, the the one game that they lost was uh, was to the best team in the country, and the uh, and every every other game they won, they have no quality wins. You know, show me show me a top ten win. Um, show me, show me an, an out of conference game that was a difficult game for them to play. They have none. So I think that just on principle, they shouldn't, they should not, you know, the committee should not let them in. But uh, that's not how the committee operates all the time, and that's not how uh, how sports in general operate. And so, you know, like I, I agree with you, Daniel. I think that if it, I think it should be, uh, you know, Oregon or, or Utah, I guess, depending on whichever one. Um, Wins the Pac-12 because it, it could because it, it'll be a, a Oregon Utah Pac-12 championship most likely right yeah yeah Pac-12 North Pac-12 South so yeah 
Um, you know, I think I think it should be one of them, or uh, you know, p- potentially maybe a, an undefeated uh, Baylor if that were to happen or something like that. But um, we'll have to wait and see. I, I'm eager to see you know what the com- how the committee ranks because I know you mentioned the AP poll. Um, you know, so a lot of times right. the, the 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 two polls are different or the two different rankings are a little bit different. So maybe they'll devalue. Uh, maybe or I wouldn't be surprised if they put Alabama at five or six. Leave them, you know, because at this point, five and six is still in the in the hunt. You're kind of in the playoff, you know. It's kind of like in the 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 bubble on uh, in March Madness. So I think put it, placing them at five or six would actually be a, an okay position um, to have them at, especially this early. But in my heart of hearts, I think they they deserve they deserve to be done. This, yeah, that does, they deserve to be uh, in the Sugar Bowl. They can enjoy it. New Orleans is nice. Go play Texas. Maybe you'll lose to Sam Ellinger, <laughs> and uh, and you know, go Tigers. Yeah, it's weird to think about that. By the time it's all said and done, Alabama's best win and really only good win will be against probably like a number twelve or thirteen ranked Auburn. And besides yeah. that, the only team they beat at all is A&M, who I, guess, I think was ranked when they beat him at the beginning of the season, but who is like, not even in the rankings now. And, it's, yeah, it's strange because normally you think about teams playing that grueling SEC schedule, but, yeah, so a lot of teams in the SEC West are down this year with uh, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and Arkansas all being kind of cellar dwellers, and then they scheduled a really weak out-of-conference schedule. So it's, and then they lost, obviously, to LSU. So it's like, well, who have they beaten? Maybe they're a good team, but they haven't really played anybody. I know this is kind of a – a normie take where everybody says, like, oh, well, who have they played, who have they beaten? But it really would be true in an Alabama situation. Yeah, and um, it'd be interesting to see if they rank them below Georgia because right now they have the same record. And uh, I think Georgia has the better wins. Uh, Alabama obviously has the better loss because it was yeah. against basically the number one team. Georgia lost to an unranked South Carolina who is – uh, also spiraling, and you know we don't even know if Will Muschamp's going to be around at the end of this year. So there could be like three SEC coaching vacancies. So yeah, I think the East is definitely down. The West is down also. Uh, I I don't usually do this, but I'll give credit to the Big Ten. They they look pretty stronger across the board than the SEC does right now. But if you look at the playoff, um, however it sets up, because I don't know which seed goes where, but one semifinal is in the Peach Bowl. So if you think if LSU wins out, including the SEC championship game, um, I don't know, their next game is either in Atlanta. It's either, yeah, it's either in Atlanta or Phoenix. Yeah, Glendale. Either of which, though, like that was our last game from the previous year mm-hmm. you know, when, they, when they beat uh, UCF. So uh, they're familiar with either one of them. So if LSU wins out and wins the SEC championship game, um, yeah, I just uh, I think they're going to – because uh, the reason I ask that is this is what happened in 2011. Yes. LSU had a great regular season, uh, arguably the best, you know, not just in their own history, but, you know, you can say all of college football, just depending how you look at it. But, you know, when it came down to that final game, they they just they, they looked minuscule compared to Alabama. And, it, you know, it didn't quite look that way in that game in Tuscaloosa. But you give Nick Saban 30 or more days to prepare, and uh, that's what happens. And, but you know, it's, the argument, it's, a, it's, a tri, it's, an, it's a, an old argument because it's, you know, like you, like you said, it's 2011. But you know what? We beat them. Like, 
we don't it's not you know it's like you beat them okay well, let's try again you know like that's not it's yeah. not how it's supposed to work like we we took care of our business and other teams are out there taking care of their business and so just because of the name just because you know the the coach is Nick Saban and they've got the uh you know the the crimson tide jerseys on they're going to give them a second chance at a, at a at a playoff like i think the committee needs to take a stand and say yeah we don't care that you're Alabama you know what? Like you lost. Go win. You know, we'll see you next year. Yeah, you know, because it, it's just it, here's here's the main thing. No other team in college football would get the benefit of the doubt like they do. Right. They don't. Well, L- or L- they, they they won't. And they but, don't. And they don't. Yeah. No. Um, the only thing I would say to that is look at Nick Saban's last two big games against Clemson and against LSU. This just you know yesterday, and you could say that, you know, barring a few plays that went Alabama's way, um, it, it could have been, the score could have been very much similar. So, you know, maybe some of that sheen is starting to wear off because uh, I, I could get why people, you know, especially the guys in the committee, the men and women in the committee would say, well, you know, but that's Nick Saban and it's Alabama. So if we put them in one of the top four, we know that we have a higher probability that they are not going to embarrass us like you know like michigan state did when alabama beat them 31 to nothing you know it's like if you're one of the top four teams in the country that should be 31 to 30 or you know something close like that it's it, so alabama just kind of covers their butt basically if they have any yeah i see what you're saying yeah, it, yeah because they know that they know that alabama will give whoever they play a game exactly at least theoretically yeah. um but but again i don't you know like i it, although you know it's it's weird because whenever we talk about this, like, what's the goal of the committee? You know, like they always say, like, oh, the goal is to put the top, the best four teams in the playoff. But then, a lot of times, it's it's a, the you know they say that it's the we want the best four teams, but by practice, it's kind of not the best four teams because, you know, are you going to tell me that a that the undefeated Baylor, like let's just say Baylor wins the Big Twelve and they put Baylor in. Is Baylor one of the best four teams in college football? I'd say no. You know, or uh, I think Ohio State is clearly a, a, a one of the best four teams. But if Ohio State, you know, took a loss to uh, to Minnesota and Minnesota wins the big wins the Big Ten, and is Minnesota one of the best four teams? You know, is Minnesota really better than Ohio State day in day out? I don't think so. So, but but they have the committee has showed over over the years that they give. Um, preference to conference champions uh they give preference to undefeateds you know so i I think that it's it's a little bit muddy i guess that's kind of the that's kind of the fun of watching the selection show and like you know who are they going to put um but it's not as it's not as clear cut as just you know play really well be the best team and and you're in right well no and, and especially in addition to that um like you said, they they preference conference championships, but it happens, you know, it depends on what happens to everybody else. Because, you know, two years ago it was Georgia and Alabama playing for the title, and you know Georgia won, and uh, Alabama did not win the conference, but you know it didn't matter. Like I said, it's just uh, they're the only ones that are going to get that benefit of the doubt. Looking at Alabama and Minnesota, even though Minnesota has a a better record, maybe better wins, you know, if all things being equal, you know, what would you do? Yeah, I, I I get the bias, but again, I, I agree with you. It's not right. But um, uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what happens there. Uh, the most important I, thing is that we've taken care of our business. We're in the catbird seat, true. And 
you know, I, I think at LSU proved last night they can play with anybody in college football. We can compete yeah. with anybody, and we can beat anybody. And so I'm not I am I am way less you know because we this whole season you know we've been we were probably pretty much looking at this game, um, and with you know one eye on the Alabama game, one eye on the future, you know potentially a playoff berth. With this game behind us and the way that we played, I I, I am I would be confident I would feel okay playing in you know any team that's in the playoff any team we team we've mentioned in the playoff conversation, um, you know that. There, there are some teams I prefer to play. You know, I think Ohio State's the scariest team out, outside of uh, outside of LSU. Um, but even still, like I think that we can play with anybody, and and we're in the perfect position right now. We're in pole position. Right. Um, well, I had a follow up question, but Daniel, did you have anything to add to any of that? Uh, not really. I think I kind of made my thoughts clear on it, and. I mean, like Tommy said, we just keep winning, and we don't really have to worry about who the committee is going to do and put in in the other spots. I mean, we just worry about ourselves and just win, and then we just keep on moving, and that's it. Right. Like like uh, the, the late Al Davis used to say, just win, baby. Just win. Um, and you, you, you reminded me, Tommy, when you said uh, now we're in the catbird seat. Because uh, I remember last week, I think you uh, – you and Josh were talking about, you know, what the odds were. And I think, uh, you know, you, you had picked LSU to cover, and you had maybe had – I don't know if you – did you have the over or the under in this game? I, I, took, I took the over, I took LSU to cover, and then I teased both of them. So I had a, a, a nice night um, <laughs> with LSU. <laughs> That's why I didn't hear from you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You're celebrating. Did you, have any, uh, did you have any action going, Daniel? I had a couple of games, nothing too big. I was on uh, Appalachian State and Liberty, both of who covered games. Appalachian State with a nice win against South Carolina. They actually swept the, uh, the Carolinas. They beat North Carolina and South Carolina this year, which is pretty wild. Um, sad for those Power 5 teams. And then uh, the Fighting Hugh Freezes of Liberty covered as well. But that's pretty much it. I wasn't too into it last night. Right. Yeah, Just uh, it was just a crazy day. Um just with the you know the LSU Alabama game, but Minnesota winning, uh, Oklahoma almost losing, Baylor kind of getting close to losing, um, and then uh, of course Texas, Texas beating Kansas State, Virginia Tech beating Wake Forest, just a lot of a lot of upsets, and it's kind of setting it up to where, um, you know I think I'd mentioned this a few weeks ago where, um, it could be at the end of this month, maybe the start of December that. You know, there could be one or two undefeated teams. We could, let's just for now say it's Ohio State and LSU, uh, or it's Clemson. You know, there's still that that other team out there. Um, I don't know who it could be, but there's all these one-loss teams. And, you know, we're talking about how you would equate um, LSU and Alabama or Alabama versus anybody else, but, like, how... Looking at all those one-loss teams, like I, I wouldn't want to be in that committee because, again, I think at some point it just kind of gets arbitrary, and unless there's a general consensus, uh, it's like, uh, are we really putting the best four teams in? Um, I don't know. It's just just something I thought of because it's 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 starting to look that way where there's going to be a bunch of one-loss teams, uh, and maybe a couple undefeated teams. Um, 
Yeah, it's not going to be as it's not going to be easy for the committee in, in that there aren't going to be four undefeated conference champions from Power Five conferences that they just plug and play, and there's right. your playoff. Right. Um, but you know, I think that I, I I'd have to I think I'll have to watch now that now that we've gotten this monkey off our back and we can kind of uh, you know. Uh, I, I think we'll take, you know, I would encourage everybody, all the LSU fans, but of course also everybody on this podcast, you know, I think we should take the next couple of weeks to watch, to really watch the other teams. Of course, you know, we'll watch our LSU games and we'll watch the SEC if you, you know, whatever games that appeal to you. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to be watching, I already told uh, some of my friends, you know, I'm going to be watching everything on the West Coast. And, uh, you know, the Pac-12 after dark, because I want to see, you know what's what does Oregon look like right now, and what is and what does Utah look like, and you know I'm you know, I watched the Baylor game this year uh, this past weekend. Not impressed. I think they probably I think they should have lost that game, um, and I had action on Baylor, but uh, but I, I, as I was watching this game, like they are terrible. This is horrible. Um, but uh, yeah, so I think I mean you're you're right. It's it's not a it's not clear cut, mm. but um, and that's what that does scare me because. I think it's the. I think that you're. I think you're right in that. If you're looking at one-loss teams, and you're and you and you're saying like, well, who, who's the most deserving? Who's the best one-loss team? The easy choice will be Alabama, but I don't think it's the correct choice. I would agree. Um, and you'd have to think though that, uh, let's say, let's say LSU is the only undefeated team. You know, then it is a bunch of one-loss teams. Uh, it's like then at that point, seeding becomes important because, you know, would if Alabama would, you know, if everyone else lost a game because there's not like right now the Big Ten still has Minnesota and Ohio State as their undefeated. Clemson, I, you know, just for the sake of argument, we have to assume they're probably not going to lose unless something drastic yeah, happens. I don't um, see them losing unless they yeah. lay, lay an egg, absol- like an absolute egg. Right, and their Georgia, game, their game to lose was against North Carolina. You know, right. like that was the chance for them to to have a blemish. Yeah, I mean, you could say, well, no one expected that to happen, so maybe there's another pitfall. But moving, I forward, guess the one to look at is South Carolina, the rivalry game. Right. Um, South Carolina knocking off, uh, you know, a top a top team in Georgia, but um, you know, I don't, I don't, I, I wouldn't predict that to happen. No. But, you know, let's say somebody like Penn State wins the rest of their games. Uh, Minnesota wins the rest of their games. Because uh, they don't – yeah, I think Penn State has the, the easier path. They play at Ohio State. So if they won at Ohio State, I think that would mix things up dramatically. I, I just – yeah, I don't know. Ohio State at home, though, I, I don't know. I don't think they're going to lose that one. Um, so, but again, it's just like – if Alabama is with all these one-loss teams, you could say they have the best loss. So I think it would be better for LSU if they ranked Alabama as number three so that LSU didn't have to play them first. Uh, I don't know. What, what, do what, you think uh, that matters at all? What do, you, what do you think about that? Um, I, don't, I, don't, I don't really think it matters because if let's just say Alabama, it's a decision between Alabama. LSU's at one, and Alabama's either going to be at three or four. I think either way, um, well, I don't know. It would it would have to be it would depend on okay, so I guess if Alabama's at if we're looking at LSU one, Ohio State two, 
Bama 3, and then Team X 4. Um, in a game of Ohio State-Alabama... Uh, Ohio State, yeah, yeah, Ohio State could pull it out. and they Ohio State could pull it out. Yeah, you're right. Like, I think, okay, maybe, maybe that's a factor, but I would still say that, you know... 50, it's 50-50, maybe even more for Alabama, and I think that we might have, might, we might see another rematch. And then, obviously, if, L, if Alabama's at four and LSU's at one, we do see a rematch. Um, but I would prefer the rematch be in, in New Orleans for the title game as opposed to out in Glendale, Arizona. You know, it's just like or even as like almost like a home game for Alabama in, in Atlanta. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just get nervous because the last time we played, uh, we last time we played a rematch at uh, in New Orleans for the national championship against Alabama, it didn't go our way. So, no. but we didn't uh, have Joe Brady or Joe Burrow then. So it's true. Yeah, might, it's true. I feel better about our chances. Um, but I don't know. That's that's just kind of the last thoughts I wanted to throw out there. So, you know, the one thing that I would say, and I would ask, I would ask y'all like generally. Um, and w- I mean, this will be—I think this will be a recurring topic, uh, you know, as we get dive more into these this playoff situation and who's who's potentially in, who's out. But you know, you mentioned that Alabama would have the the most attractive loss. But where do you? Let's say you're looking at a one-loss team. What do you think matters more? Like, let's compare Alabama to Georgia. Alabama has the better loss, but Georgia has the better wins. They have a win against uh, Notre Dame. And then they have sure. uh, a win against Florida, um, and they're and they'll probably get a win against uh, again against Auburn coming up. They've got Auburn uh, next week, so you know I tend to think that wins matter more than losses, right? We're not going to rank somebody based on you see what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. we're going to say oh because you because you lost to a really good team but you won the rest of your games you're better, or is it well you lost you lost one game a loss is a loss. But the games that you won, you won three quality wins. So I think that's a you know that's an interesting an interesting thought to have. Uh, and if 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 you're basing Alabama's uh, Alabama's pro, you know uh, top level or performance off of a one off of one loss to the best team in the country, and then the rest of the games they're playing a JV team, yeah, you know, I don't know what that says about their quality of play. Right. Right. Ben. Um, Daniel, did you want to take that one? Uh, no, I didn't really have anything oh. to add. I think y'all pretty much hit the nail on the head for the, the playoff discussion, and then we'll see how things go. It may be an easy decision for the committee at the end of the day, but most likely not. So I'm glad I'm really not in that position, and I'd much rather be in LSU spot of number numero uno, just undefeated. So <laughs> when and we're in. Right. Uh, just Just to finish up what you were saying, Tommy, um, I, I mean, I agree with you, uh, just objectively and logically speaking, but I just, I don't feel that the committee thinks that way. Like, yeah. I, I think they would, they're just going to look at it as like, well, you know, Alabama didn't, yeah, I mean, maybe they don't have as many flashy wins as, as this team, but, you know, they played the schedule that was in front of them. You know, Nick mm. Saban doesn't do the, 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 the uh, scheduling. You know, they'll <laughs> say all that stuff because yeah. they were, you know, they're already saying, you know, how could Alabama still get in? It's like that was some someone, some other fan, I think it was a Barstool Big Cat or, I don't know, it was one of these top sports guys. Uh, it showed this graphic that CBS had put right after LSU won, and it was... Oh, Alabama. yeah, yeah. 
Alabama's path to the title game, you know, now with this loss. And he says, I see it now. It's like they're already trying to see how Alabama could still get in. It's like the rest of the sporting world is trying to figure out how Alabama could get in instead of figuring out, all right, well, if not Alabama, who are the other three teams? Yeah. (laughs) You know? It's just crazy. It's crazy, but it's the world. It's the world we live in. The world we live in. It's it's yeah. It's the cards we're dealt. All that jazz. Well, um, unless you guys had any other final thoughts, I uh, I think that's that'll pretty much do it for us. Uh, and what a what a great great week, great pod. Plenty of stuff to talk about. I'm so, yeah. We ran a little bit late, but you know, there's so much to cover because it yeah. was such a big win. Um, and so. Uh, having said that, uh, we're going to look forward to talking about Ole Miss next week. Hopefully, Tigers take care of business and stay healthy. Uh, so then after that, we could do the same the following week against Arkansas and just kind of see how the rest of the college football landscape plays out. Um, and having said that, um, I guess we'll, we'll talk to you guys next week. And a very emphatic, go Tigers!